On today's show, we have AHAWK, a team member from Haven Protocol. AHAWK has been a part of the Haven Protocol team since 2019 and an investor in cryptocurrencies since 2016. While he remains anonymous, given Haven's focus on privacy, his extensive experience in the project and the topic of privacy in crypto more broadly. We will talk about the team, investors, project, and token. Hello, AHawk. Thanks for coming on today. Let's get started by going into some of your background. Great. Thanks for having me, Joe. Appreciate it. Sure. So my background as a team member for the project, which has been around since 2018, but really um, the, the first two developers that started the project with what we think is one of the most interesting ideas in crypto ended up leaving about a year later because it turned out that the idea was interesting, but really hard to develop and to build. And they left in early 2019 in the community, including myself and a few team members who are a lot smarter than I am on the dev side, took over the project with the focus of building the first truly private stablecoin. And we're happy to report that we accomplished that over about a year and a half of development work launched Haven's first private asset, XUSD, in July of last year, July of 2020, and are now working on building out the network, launching additional private assets, and working on integrations and projects that could help increase liquidity and build out access to this protocol, which we think is something really unique in crypto that hasn't been done before. So is the problem that is being solved today still was the initial problem that when the project launched from the initial team? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, the reason I got involved was as an investor in crypto starting in 2016 is that once you started being able to secure profits and stable coins, you started thinking about things like how to protect your privacy and how to protect yourself online. And I think that's only become more important over the last few years. And what I noticed was that essentially every stable coin option in the market, you know, starting in 2017, 2018, you know, worked and had liquidity, but was completely public and in no way at all protected your privacy. And that was sort of where the idea started. How do you allow investors, crypto users to have an option to protect their privacy while also opting out of the volatility on the crypto side when they want to? It's a pretty simple idea, a private stablecoin, but it turned out it was really, really hard to do. Still hard to do, but we think is an option that people are still looking for. So how many members are currently a part of the team? So we have five full-time team members. I'm actually a volunteer on the team. I'm not a paid team member, but we have five that are paid and work on the dev side on the front end, do some of our community stuff and then help with wallets and integrations and all that. But we have a really small team, but a really dedicated and smart team that takes advantage of a community of probably over 8,000 people. So we have a bunch of resources at our disposal through volunteers, which is really cool to see. Now, do you guys all know each other through working together or do you remain anonymous in that position too? You know, it's funny. Our, our two lead developers are public and you can read their bios on our website. We all know each other through the battle scars that we've had over the last three years. So it's funny. We all know each other pretty well, but don't know much about each other in the way of you know personal information, because for the most part, a lot of our team has chosen to remain anonymous, given the need to sort of protect our privacy in the space. But we feel like we're friends at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what's happening across a lot of Twitter and everything, right? Sure, absolutely. How does someone remain anonymous, especially when, you know, with so many digital footprints out there? You know, it, it's not easy. I mean, it's next to impossible these days. You have to work on it and you have to be proactive about it. And I think in crypto, being anonymous can mean different things to different people. I think for us, when you look at what Monero has built over the last few years, that's really our sort of the gold standard of of privacy in crypto. And that's what we talk about when we talk about staying private and staying anonymous and taking control of your money. 
Monero built something that keeps your address completely private, keeps every transaction completely private, keeps the amount that you send in each transaction private, and allows you to maintain a portfolio, to trade, to invest, to hold whatever your choice is in the market in a way that keeps you completely anonymous. And that's what we're really focused on. I think it's less about who is part of the team and what our names are and where we're from. And it's more about building the tools that give everybody this option to opt out of everything public, which is essentially what crypto is right now. Now, I assume when you say everybody, that means anyone can participate across the globe? Absolutely. Yeah. And we have users from, I have to go count up the number of countries in, in terms of people that are interested in the project, but it's every continent, every country you could think of, and certainly not just in the US. Part of our team is in the UK. Part of our team is in Europe. Part of our team is here. We're all over the world. How did you guys initially get started You know, and been able to pay yourselves along the way? Did you do any capital raise? We didn't. We don't have any VC backing. We have a large and growing group of community supporters who have invested in the project. The project itself has been funded by a 5% development tax on mining, which you know some people don't love, but it's really the only reason that our project exists at this point. And for probably two years or so, that dev tax amounted to you know a couple hundred bucks a month. It wasn't it wasn't really paying for anything other than to keep the lights on. And that's really the goal now is to take the team that we have, the protocol that we've built, and make it stronger, build it out, make it bigger, and make sure that it's available to everyone in the world, which is really our focus for the long term. So how do you see the protocol sustainable in the future and how it will continue to generate revenue to pay all the developers? I think part of it is increasing the liquidity that we have in the market just for our base token. XHV is is the haven token. It's an algorithmic stable coin. So you buy XHV and then you can burn it for XUSD, which is the private stable coin, and then a number of other private assets. And then you can mint it back to XHV if you want to go back into the volatile coin. And really, part of it is just increasing liquidity. We've built what we think is a really strong version of the protocol. We're about to launch a new version as well pretty soon. But integrating Haven into some of the forward-looking decentralized exchanges like ThorChain is probably the best example, is how we think we can increase access to the network, to the token, and ultimately provide value to holders and then find a way to, to pay our developers as well, given everything they've put together so far. Can we kind of walk through, I guess, give people an idea of what the Haven protocol can do from them from, you know, if they initially like have Bitcoin or Ethereum or something like that on Coinbase, sure. what's the process look like and what is the benefit for them interacting with the Haven? Sure. Yeah, I, th- I think it's important to spend a minute on this because it's it's complicated, but it's actually mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we want to make something really simple. And the simple way of describing it is, you know, like any other stable coin, if you have money invested in Bitcoin and you want to go into a USD stable coin or a Euro stable coin, you can simply convert your Bitcoin into Tether or into USDC. And if you have $10,000 in Bitcoin, you can trade it for $10,000 in Tether and maintain your USD value or your Euro dollar, whatever the stable coin of your choice is. And we want to make that accessible in a way that is completely private and decentralized. So right now, if you were to do that, you have your Bitcoin on Coinbase, you convert it into Tether, it stays in your Coinbase wallet and it's controlled by Coinbase. All those transactions are tracked and monitored and are public. And what we've built is a network that allows you to mint and burn those stable coins entirely on chain in your own wallet without the custody of an exchange or a third party. And that's really what we want to sort of build out. So right now, if you wanted to use Haven, right now our conversions are, are disabled before we launch this next version, which I can get into that later. But This is how it works, essentially. You buy $10,000 worth of XHV. 
You send that to your Haven vault, which is essentially just a wallet, crypto wallet based on Monero. And then you can convert that XHV into XUSD in your wallet on chain in a single transaction. And then you would get 10,000 XUSD. And if you decided you wanted to go back into XHV to cash out into Bitcoin or trade it for something else, you would convert your 10,000 XUSD back into XHV and you'd get the amount of XHV back based on the market price of that day. I guess so. So if we got uh, let's say ten thousand dollars of uh, tether you know, uh, sitting on Coinbase, am I going to send that to my own wallet first? Some people do, but most people leave it on exchanges, which is you know something we think is pretty risky and not a secure way to protect yourself and to protect your identity and to protect your funds. So whether you're holding tether or Bitcoin or Ethereum or Haven, I think it's always worthwhile having control over your own keys and your own wallet, and that's really sort of why we wanted to build this as a network that you could control entirely by yourself in your own wallet with your own keys and not have to rely on anybody else. If we have it in our own wallet, we have a 10,000 USDT tether mm-hmm. and we want to exchange it. We're going to go and exchange it for XHV. Is that correct? Right. So you can take your tether and you can go on an exchange like Qcoin, which is probably the largest exchange that we're listed on, certainly not listed on, on Coinbase yet. And you can buy XHV with your USDT. And that allows you to take, based on the market price of XHV, your $10,000 worth of XHV, send it to your wallet and convert it into private XUSD in your own Haven wallet. Okay. And now can you go into the purpose of going into the XHV prior to the XUSD? Sure. So XHV is the only way that you can obtain XUSD. It's a mint and burn algorithmic protocol. So basically what happens is Once you have XHV in your wallet, based on the current market price of XHV, the network will allow you to convert your XHV into XUSD based on the current market price. And based on that price, which is an oracle that we use with Chainlink, decentralized pricing oracle, you will get the USD value of your XHV in XUSD. And assuming you have around $10,000 worth, it almost doesn't even matter what the price of XHV is. You've bought $10,000 worth of it and you convert it into 10,000 XUSD. And now when you go back to convert your XUSD back into XHV, you'll probably get a different amount of XHV because the price of XHV will have changed in the way that you know Bitcoin moves and Monero moves. It's a volatile token, right? But it's always the XUSD you hold in your Haven vault is always tied to the market price of XHV, which maintains your USD value. What happens in this mint and burn process? Can you explain that? Sure, sure. So it's actually a really cool innovation that we think we've come up with. And it took about a year, maybe more than a year to develop it and test it and deploy it. But really, it's essentially the first colored coins implementation on a crypto note protocol, a Monero protocol, which essentially means that you have multiple assets, multiple coins on the same chain. When you have XUSD or we have XEuro, we have XBTC, different private assets on the Haven network, they're all tokens that use the same Haven address. So when you burn your XHV and mint XUSD, that XHV disappears forever, the XUSD is created. And then when you burn that XUSD to go back into XHV, the XUSD is burned forever and new XHV is created on chain. It's all done on chain, it's all done privately in your vault, and it's all done with the protection of the privacy innovations that Monero has already developed. So when that mint and burn process occurs and you're going between XHV to XUSD, at that point is when it's considered untraceable. Is that correct? 
It's always untraceable, actually. So the only time that it would be traceable is when you've interacted with potentially a centralized exchange that has your address, that you've agreed to share your address and your deposits and your holdings. But once you send it to your vault, which is not associated with a centralized exchange, your address is private, the XHB is private, the XUSD is private. And the only thing about the XUSD that is public is the global amount of XUSD that is converted during every transaction. So the reason that XUSD supply has to be public and visible is so that we can actually monitor the network and understand the size of the network, the value of the network, and how much XUSD is actually being used. So supplies are going to fluctuate, and the supply of XHV fluctuates dynamically based on that. But because you can see the supply of XUSD, you know how big the market is and how much supply of each private asset is on the network. But your address and your wallet and your transaction all stays private. So as a user, how do we feel, I guess, safe or you know, have a good understanding of it, the transactions being not traceable, meaning, you know, I think there's been some questions over the years or at least years ago in regards to some of the Monero transactions. Sure. How do people get assurance of that? And, you know, do you guys do any type of code review or offer bounties or work with chain analysis or any other copies? Sure. So, I mean, one of the basic things to understand is that Haven is built on, on top of Monero's code. So it's not a, not a fork of Monero per se, but we've used the latest version of Monero's code on top of our mint and burn protocol. So that inherits everything that Monero has already built, which is untraceable addresses and transactions. And I think the arguments that some have made that Monero has somehow been cracked or broken, I, I really don't think hold up to scrutiny. I think people have tried. And one of the reasons that Monero is is still so strong is because nobody has proven that they've actually been able to break Monero's ability to keep your transactions private. And until somebody proves that that's happened, we're pretty confident in saying that Haven's transactions operate in the same way. Now, for our code and the protocol that we've built on top of Monero, we have had it audited. We are working on a new version right now that's undergoing some serious revisions to strengthen security, to, to undergo a new audit with a firm that has that specializes in Monero, actually. And we were actually attacked a couple months ago. The network was was attacked, which was really frustrating to see, but I think is, is a sign that we're actually trying to build something that matters and that works. We've mitigated the attack, we've recovered from it, and we've developed a, a fix that's currently about to be deployed and, and is going to be audited. But we feel like the project's going to come out even stronger on the other end because of our ability to, to use Monero's baseline privacy technology, which we think is world-class. I agree. I mean, hacks and attacks, usually it allows everyone to learn and move forward, build something better. It does. It's definitely taught us a lot. That's for sure. As we're discussing the private transactions, can you kind of maybe break down some of the best use cases, why someone would interact with the Haven Protocol and what they might be doing? Sure. For most of our users, I think the, the ability to store wealth privately in a stable way has been a really attractive thing. I think that's why people got involved, right? Whether you invested in crypto and made a thousand bucks or 10,000 bucks or a million bucks, I think once people started to, to look at ways to preserve that wealth, they have options like stable coins. There are options in, in DeFi that allow you to stake your wealth and earn interest and make money off of it. But what people I think came to realize was, you know, all of those methods do leave a trace of who you are, of where your money came from, of how much you have, of what you spend it on, of what you use it for. 
And there's a big downside to that. And that was really one of the reasons our community has grown is people wanted to store their wealth, whatever the size of their wealth in a stable way, but in a private way. And so combining private stable storage was really why we got started and why we're still building out the protocol now. All right. So let's go into, I guess, some of the the stable way in which XUSD retains its peg, right? Sure. How does it kind of maintain its value? So again, it, it is an algorithmic stable coin. The conversions themselves are performed by the protocol. We've integrated a pricing oracle, which the protocol uses to determine the current market price of XHV. So that oracle is run through Chainlink, which is probably one of the best decentralized pricing oracles on the market. We'd love to find something that is purely decentralized that we've developed on our own. I think that's more of a long-term vision. But right now, Chainlink essentially takes the price of XHV as determined by how much XHV is selling for on centralized exchanges. And In Your Vault allows you to convert your XHV into XUSD based on that price. There's a lot more that goes into it. We use a, a 24-hour moving average to try and take advantage of people that are, you know, might, might want to game the system. Moving average just kind of smooths out the minute-by-minute price spikes on XHV and gives you sort of the price for that day, and you can convert it into XUSD. And then when you want to convert back into XHV, it's the same process, just in reverse. So essentially, you know, XUSD is backed by the market buying and selling of XHV. And if you want to look at a, a similar ecosystem, I think Luna is probably the closest version of that. They don't have the, the privacy protections, but they have a really big, robust algorithmic stablecoin that is UST is backed by Luna that's on the market. And that's essentially how Haven works as well. So there's definitely been multiple projects trying to accomplish some type of stable coin here. What's been the failures and kind of what do you see moving forward that's just going to have people more comfortable utilizing these? The first part is trust. And I think one of the reasons that we're even still around and alive as a project is we have worked really hard over the last couple of years to build trust. And we've been developing in a bear market and a bull market and everything in between. And we're really just trying to build something that works. And I think you've seen a lot of stablecoin projects that are backed by big VCs or have a lot of money pumped in at the beginning, but haven't actually figured out the technical side of the protocol, haven't gamed out the economic theory, haven't figured out how to address attack vectors, and you know did all that work after they launched. And that has resulted in a bunch of projects that blew up because the tokenomics didn't work, because the protocol itself was actually broken, because there were attack vectors that didn't get addressed, didn't get fixed, weren't watched. And I, I think that's really what we're trying to do. We're trying to build first and launch later. We learned a, a really valuable lesson this summer when we got attacked using an attack vector that we hadn't thought of before, but we were able to immediately work on it, fix it, develop a solution. And I think that's our focus is building stuff that works, that's tested, that's battle tested. That's how we can build trust. That's how we can deploy a protocol that actually stands the test of time. So what do you see are the risks from you know it depegging or not maintaining its value? So for us, I think the biggest risk is liquidity for XHV, right? And that's something that has always been a struggle for us, something that we're still focused on and something we need to, to build out in the future. So if you want to be able to move from private XUSD on Haven back into, say, Bitcoin or fiat or something else, you need to have liquidity. And in part because we're a privacy-focused project, plenty of exchanges aren't interested in listing us. We're listed on, on a few that have done a really good job helping us grow, but there's no way that Coinbase is going to list us. They're not listing Monero as an example. 
so we're really focused on on decentralized exchanges in the future. And I think decentralized exchanges have blown up and are growing in terms of allowing people to exchange large amounts of crypto without relying on a centralized exchange. That's what we want to build out because ultimately liquidity in XHV is what is what's going to improve trust in XUSD and give people the confidence that XUSD will maintain its value based on the availability of XHVM markets. On the XHV, what are all the benefits for a token holder? So, you know, really right now, the benefit is in the privacy nature of our protocol, right? So there's not staking on the network. Eventually, you know, once we're integrated with ThorChain, you'll be able to provide liquidity on ThorChain and earn a yield, which we're really excited about. That'll be sort of the first opportunity to do that with XHV or XUSD or any of our assets. But really, the advantage right now is is being able to take complete control of your money and not having to rely on anyone else. Um, to have a wallet that only you control, that only you can see, to convert your funds into stables, private stable coins when you want, how you want, without anybody looking over your shoulder. That's really the the value that our our protocol is providing. And kind of, what are some of the critical differences between Haven Protocol and Monero? So, you know, we're, we're obviously huge, huge supporters of Monero. We only really exist as a project because of a lot of the innovation they've done in the privacy space. But the simplest way to describe it is Monero will always be volatile, right? It may be less volatile than it was in the past, but, you know, in the, in the peaks of you know, the bull market of 2017, 2018, the price of Monero was swinging 20, 30% easily in a couple of days. And it's been less volatile as of late, but it's crypto and the market is always going to be super volatile. So, I mean, the basic difference is Monero is going to continue innovating in the privacy space, but XMR, their token, is always going to be volatile. Whereas we're going to rely on Monero's privacy innovations, but we're also going to have these private stable options as well that allows you to opt out of volatility. Got it. And I mean, there's been, I feel like some of the Monero love has at least publicly died down since the last cycle. Yeah. What do you think that is? I mean, like what is the segment of market that actually wants to utilize these privacy features? How do we kind of gauge the market share or demand? That's a good question. I mean, I think the last cycle or the cycle that we're going through right now, I don't think there's been an interest in putting a premium on privacy. I, I don't agree with it. I value my privacy and I know a lot of other people that do, but I think new folks getting into the market don't right now. And I can kind of understand why, you know, when there's when there's a craze around NFTs or name a, you know, a hundred other projects that, you know, go 10x in a month or two, I get why people would rather invest there. But at the end of the day, I think people will come to the same conclusion I came to in 2018, sort of at the end of that bull market, which was all right, I was pretty successful in XYZ projects. I've made some money. Now what? And the realization I came to was I have all this money on public blockchains that's easily tracked and traced and I don't have control over it. And that was kind of a scary feeling and finding a solution that allows you to invest in a crypto that protects your privacy, I think is something that most people will come to value over time. It may not be today. It may not be next month, but I think over time people will come to realize that privacy matters and there's a premium for actually being able to protect it. Yeah. There's a lot of conversation or there's more conversation in the market today about I guess, you know, Facebook, Twitter, and, you know, all these platforms that are aggregating your data and, you know, crypto will solve it, we'll call it. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So there's conversation around taking control of your data and privacy, but, you know, it seems like the users are definitely slow to adopt that, that, that kind of thesis, right? 
I think so. Maybe when we're talking about the, the broad market of users, although I will say our community and the folks that are interested in our project have been growing steadily and significantly over the last year or so. And we're certainly not reaching the top 20 market cap tomorrow, but every day we see more and more people that are interested in, in protecting their privacy. And there, a lot of them are you know, already part of the Monero community or part of communities and other privacy coins that want to have a stable option. And a lot of them are new users to crypto that have never heard of Monero or Haven and have come to realize that they want to find a private option and are sort of researching those projects. So I do think that the value that people are putting on privacy is growing. I just, I don't think it's anywhere where it needs to be because I think a lot of people are oblivious to the fact that everything they do in this space um, is public and can be tracked and can be seen by anyone everywhere and that they really have a lot less control over their money than they think they do. We want to create an ecosystem. We want to create essentially a, a private offshore bank that can be yours. And each of those projects are doing different things for different reasons. Our, our focus really is on giving people control over their money and how they invest, how they store it, how they trade it, and having a network that has a wide range of private assets to choose from, whether it be XUSD or XBitcoin, which is our synthetic Bitcoin, a private version that tracks the price of Bitcoin, or a bunch of other private synthetic fiat currencies, XEuro, as an example. Being able to do all of that in one place, controlled entirely by you, is really what we think is the differentiating feature for, for Haven and something that people will find valuable in the future. Can you kind of go into what are those other products that you guys do have available right now? Sure. So again, like I said, our, our conversions are, are offline right now as we're, we're about to launch sort of the Haven 2.0, the next version of our protocol. But what we launched last summer and into last fall, the XUSD was the first. We launched XBitcoin, which is a private synthetic version of Bitcoin. Again, all entirely on the same chain controlled in your vault. You can convert XUSD into XBitcoin. We also launched silver and gold synthetics, as well as Euro, Yuan, and I'd have to go get the full list. There's five more that I'm going to forget right now, but a few other fiat currencies. So essentially allows you to invest in gold, silver, Bitcoin, other fiat currencies privately in your vault. And we have a bunch of other ideas of other assets. Those were sort of the first ones that our community was asking for at the beginning. And after we launch this next version of the protocol, we're going to be thinking about how to build out that sort of suite of, of private assets on the network. So how do you guys take in requests currently right now from your users? I would say most of our users right now, their only request is that we go back online with conversions because we've been off for uh, a month and a half since since early July, late June, early July. So once we launch this 2.0 version and XUSD is back online and you know we have a fully audited code base that addresses all the attack vectors that we're worried about, I think we're going to get back into that discussion about what other private assets people want to see. I think there's a lot of folks in our community that want to see more private synthetic cryptos and XETH or something like that. And those are all things that we'll have to think about in terms of how the network could handle it. But right now, we, we plan to go back online with the sort of base eight or nine or so assets that we've already launched and then think about it from there. Has there been any successful synthetic assets that you believe have done well to date in the market in general? Yeah, I mean, I, I really do think Luna is probably the, the, the best. The UST is probably the best example of that. They've built an ecosystem in a similar way based on an algorithmic stablecoin. I, I don't pretend to be an expert on their on their tech, mm -hmm. but from what I can tell, they've built out liquidity. They've built up trust in their protocol. 
the demand for their protocol has been growing, their users have been growing, which is, those are all the things we're trying to build, except, you know, in a really private way, they, they don't have that privacy protection on theirs. But I think they're a really good example of how you can build something in this algorithmic stablecoin space and have it work and build trust and have it be successful. I think they're a really good example. What, what's all the benefits of doing it in a synthetic way? You know, obviously, that's the reason that Tether and USDC and other, you know, the big stables were created, right, was to allow you to maintain a USD value of your portfolio without actually holding USD or interacting with your bank or, you know, having to go back and forth between an exchange. Now you can just sort of have it in one wallet and convert it into a stable coin. So we, I think synthetic assets are an important part of the crypto space. I mean, there's well over $100 billion. It's probably approaching $200 billion in, in stable coins just sitting on the market right now. And I think it's an important part of how the space functions. And we think there's demand for a private version of those synthetic assets. And do you believe that it's slow to adopt because people are used to one way and they have a trust that the regular stable coins are being backed by something? Yeah, I think so. I mean, for all the controversy around Tether, it's still the largest, most widely used stable coin because it's been around the longest and it's probably built up the most trust. I, I don't trust Tether fully and I wouldn't trust my money on something that is fully public and traceable on chain, which is one of the reasons we're involved in this project. But I know a lot of people do and that's fine. I think the challenge for any project getting into this space is building trust, increasing access, and giving people tools that make it easy to use. And that's really what we're focused on right now. We're we're a small project. We, We don't have VC funding or backing, but we've got a really dedicated and smart team that are trying to build out those tools in a way that can make them accessible to everybody in the future. I mean, what happens when these synthetic assets, if they lose their peg to that value? There's lots of examples of stablecoin projects where the stable synthetic asset did lose its peg and it dropped and it failed. I think for us, the promise of XUSD is something that is always going to stay the same. On-chain, one XUSD is always going to equal $1 of XHB. It's built in the protocol. It's built in the algorithm. It can't be broken. And I mean, right now it's offline and we're working to launch this next version that's going to be more secure and fully audited. But when that's back online, there is no way to convert something on chain that is different from one XUSD equals $1 of XHV. So we think we have a pretty strong protocol built in that way. Now, when it comes to trading XUSD on other exchanges outside of Haven and the ecosystem, you know, we're not going to control what the market deems as the price of XUSD on an exchange. Like with Tether or other projects, you can see them fluctuating above or below a dollar. That does happen, but we're pretty confident that when our new protocol launches, that one XUSD is always going to be $1 worth of XHV on chain. I mean, from a roadmap standpoint, kind of what do you guys see in development for the next few years? So I think the two biggest things for us, you know, short-term, medium-term are the launch of Haven 2.0, which is going to be essentially an overhaul of our code base. It's going to be audited by a firm that specializes in Monero that we've been working with for quite some time. Awesome guys. The, the name is Cyperstack. If you want to go look them up, getting that launch done and feeling really secure about the next step for the protocol is mission number one, almost there. And the second thing is building access to Haven out into decentralized exchanges. The best example of this is Thorchain Rune. They have probably the most advanced cross-chain swap in the market and they've built out 
something that allows you to trade native layer one cryptos with other native layer one cryptos, ETH for BTC and vice versa in a completely decentralized way with no exchanges or middlemen. And that's something that's incredibly cool. And you could spend another hour just talking about <laughs> that project and projects like it. But we really do think that's sort of the future of how people are going to exchange money in crypto in the future. And we want Haven to be a part of that. That's our you know part of our long-term plan. How do you guys see maybe like expanding the team or do you have any size that you guys are looking to get to? Yes, we, we are constantly looking for new folks to get involved. Part of our challenge is A, we don't have a ton of money to pay, so it's not as attractive. But B, the work that we're doing requires a real expertise in Monero. And the list of developers that have that experience is pretty short. We have a few of them on our team that are really, really good, but they don't grow on trees. Mm -hmm. And so we are definitely working to expand our, you know, our community in the way of marketing and engagement and all that stuff. But the core developers that can help us build out the code, build out the protocol is something that's probably going to be a smaller group of people. And we're okay with that because we want it to be the right people working on the project. But we do know we need to grow in order to keep the project moving. So how do you engage the community and continually increase social awareness on the project? That's one thing that we're I'm really thankful for. We have an incredible community. Our Discord is probably the most active place. We've got 8,000 members there. It's a huge community and it's focused on everything from keeping track of what's going on with the project and the protocol, throwing around ideas about what we should be doing next, debating the tokenomics of Haven, talking about privacy and the bigger crypto market. So it's a great place to have all those conversations. Our team is really active there. We're on social media, I mean, other social media as well. Twitter, our, our handle is HavenXHV. I think we've got 20,000 followers or so and built up a pretty strong following of people that are interested in the project. So we communicate through those channels primarily. We're on Medium as well, where we do some more of our sort of long form updates and background on what's happening with the project. But we're always trying to find new ways to, to get people interested. I think the our biggest challenge is that nobody's heard of Haven Protocol. Usually, once they do and they hear the idea, they see that it works, they're usually interested and they want to follow up and they either want to learn more. Our website has a great sort of wiki on the project, havenprotocol.org. We have a knowledge base that explains everything that we've, that we've done, which is a great place for first-timers to go. So yeah, we're really just trying to grow awareness, trying to get people to hear about it for the first time and have that, that aha moment, right? Like, Private stablecoin, right? There isn't one. There should be one. Here's an example of a protocol that's built one. No, I agree. I mean, you have to move past the speculators and find the users, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and we're we're finding both of those right now. But I think <laughs> as we get bigger, I think the users, you know, are going to become our core base for sure. What other topics would you like to hit on before we come to a close that we might not have covered? If we could go back and I could give you just a more of a concrete example of. The protocol mechanism. I was going to read you a paragraph from our white paper, which explains it better than my rambling could. Mm -hmm. um, so let me just, it's just like five or six sentences. And this will give you a good example of how the protocol works and how XUSD interacts with XHP, if that makes sense. So this is from our white paper. Haven uses a system called mint and burn to maintain its value relationship against its asset pegs. In practice, using the synthetic XUSD as an example, this works as follows. Bob decides he wants to put 200 of his Haven, XHV, into XUSD. When users put XHV into XUSD, they are burning the XHV coins and minting the current value of those XHV as new XUSD. The protocol determines the current market value of that XHV 
This is using the Chainlink pricing oracle mm-hmm. based on a weighted average volume across all supported exchanges. This is done using a pricing oracle, a mechanism to discover real-world data and make the data available to the blockchain to retrieve pricing data for the full Haven ecosystem and create a pricing record. So if the current value of Haven is $1, the protocol will burn Bob's 200XHV by constructing a transaction where the 200XHV that was sent is burned into XUSD and the total supply of XHV decreases and the user would receive 200XUSD. If the market price of XHV then moves to $2 and Bob decides to access his XUSD, he will be returned 100 XHV, which is 100 times $2, which equals $200 USD per his original value. If the opposite occurs and the price of Haven cuts in half to 50 cents from a dollar, then 400 XHV would be minted and sent to Bob. That's 400 times 50 cents, which equals his $200 original value. So the mint and burn alters the circulating supply of both XHV and XUSD in a dynamic manner. I think that's probably the shortest I can condense it into. <laughs> no, that's good. That's digestible. I mean, is there anything from a manipulation around the price oracle or getting price feeds that could affect that process? Sure. I think that that's one of the attack vectors we've always been looking at. Using Chainlink is, Chainlink is one of the most trusted oracle providers out there. They've done a fantastic job helping us build out our pricing oracle. But it is another layer, and it is a one of the centralized parts of our project, I think, which is a fair criticism. We have a pricing record that's constructed by the Chainlink feed that is then fed into the transactions on chain. And until that pricing record is fully decentralized and the team has no access to it, nobody controls it, that is an attack vector. And that actually, if you go read the report on the attack that we had in late June, that is one of the vectors that was used. All that didn't involve chain linking and used it used manipulating some of the mint and burn values on chain. That's one. I think we have some ideas about how to completely decentralize and that that in the future. We're not there yet, and it's one of the attack vectors that we're really really sensitive to, given the experience we just had over the last couple of months. And one of the things that the new sort of 2.0 that we're launching in the next few weeks is going to address. But that's that is top of mind for us. I think it's probably the most fair criticism of how the project could be attacked in the future is an external pricing record that somebody could manipulate. So we're really sensitive to that. Yeah, it seems like the whole world is is tied into chain link these days, huh? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And they've done a fantastic job, but it is, again, we want to find a way to have completely decentralized pricing. That solution does not yet exist. (laughs) But when it does, it's going to be something that we're going to work on integrating for our project. All right. Well, I appreciate coming on today and providing all that value. Yeah. Thanks so much for having us. People want to get started with the Haven Protocol or get more information. Where's the best place that they can reach you? Definitely start at havenprotocol.org. That's where you can download the vault, make your own vault, do your first transaction, learn a little bit more about the protocol. We have links to the Discord and Twitter on there as well. I'd I'd really recommend if, if you're interested in the project and you've read through the website and you want to learn more, just jump on Discord ask any questions you want. We've got a great community full of good answers to to be helpful. So, Well, hey, Hawk, I appreciate coming out today. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for all your time.